have a thought from Hebrews 12. We were, uh, we were here recently and we've been here before. And so we'll go to Hebrews 12 and we'll look at verse 1. I shared a devotion on this early on uh, this year about running our race. Shared a message not too long ago about Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And the other day as I was driving out here to come and study, God began dealing with my heart about this thought of let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. Hebrews, 1, Hebrews 12, verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which, so, which doth so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Let us pray. God, we love you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you, Lord, for your precious word. We thank you for being so good to us. We thank you for blessing us. And, God, we thank you for the daily benefits which you give us, God. We know that there's tough days and there's hard days. God, there's days where we feel that your presence has been taken away from our circumstance and situation. But, God, we know that you're in control. We know that you're in power, Lord. And even those days and those times and, Lord, those moments where we feel that you're not present, we know that you are ever-present in the affairs of your children. We thank you, Lord, for loving us and caring for us, and we thank you for your precious word. We love you, God, and we pray to you in authority given by your son Jesus, the blood spent upon the cross of Calvary. We love you, Lord, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This thought of laying aside our sin, laying aside our sin. We look into God's word and we find the pain and the difficulty of sin to be such a common theme. And we go all the way back to creation. You find the creation of man and woman. You see Adam and Eve there in the garden. They sin. Uh, you see on down through the generations that sin has plagued every man and every woman. That's Ever, ever lived or breathed upon this earth, even children, are, they're conceived in sin, as the Bible teaches us, and as time goes by their innocence, my wife and I were just talking about Isla and Riley about this tonight uh, on the way over here, but how it, it seems that their innocence fades away, and uh, we were discussing that, and I know you, you that have kids, you've never dealt with that, uh, but uh, for my kids, it seems like innocence fades away. And you get little lies and you get little stories and you get little anger and you get a little frustration, you get a little back talk, and they get a little whipping. And, uh, and so that's just how it goes. Um, but that's just a common theme in human existence is sin, amen. I mean, we all possess it. We all deal with it. Uh, I was thinking about this uh, as we were singing. I don't know why, but thought just came to my mind. You know, some people, they think the preacher's a superhero. And uh, the preacher doesn't ever have a bad thought or the preacher doesn't ever uh, think a bad word or the preacher doesn't ever say something he shouldn't say or do something he shouldn't do. And uh, I'm telling you, you're holding preachers to too high of a standard. Uh, now, leaders are held to a higher standard when we answer to God, and we know that. And that's why it's important that people that step into leadership and they take on that mantle that when you stand before God, uh, you give an account as a leader. And so it's an important thing. But also remembering that we're all sinners and we're all saved by grace if we're saved. Uh, we all were headed for the same hell when, uh, we, before we met Christ. 
And so none of us are exempt from the temptations. And it seems like the closer we get to the Lord in our walk as we're running our race, as we're uh, trying to be patient, as we're trying to endeavor uh, towards the, the, the crown that's, that's before us, as we try to endeavor uh, towards that other side and that promised place that God, uh, His Son, has told us He would go, would go to prepare for us, as we endeavor towards that promise, this sin, it seems to creep in and it seems to come to us even in times where I think I'm doing good, when I think, man, I've had a good day in prayer, I've had a good day in study. It's about the time I start thinking I'm doing good that some kind of weight and some kind of sin begins to beset me. Amen? About the time I'm, I'm like, man, I, I prayed today. I, Ed was talking about it. You have them days. I prayed today. I've studied today. I helped somebody today. I blessed somebody today. I cared for my children today. Oh, there's a bad thought. Or somebody just did something that made me mad. I mean, it's, it's human nature that this sin besets us, that the weight of this world besets us. Because we're creatures, have you ever seen uh, the like microscopic view of how chemo attacks cancer? And you watch this, this video of these cells being attacked by this radiation. You can watch these videos, and really medicine in general, you can just look up uh, any kind of medicine, I think penicillin probably, you probably find that, that's been around a long time, but they, it's basically a video of a Petri dish, and they've got uh, some kind of, uh, of sickness or disease or, or, or illness, the germs of that, that, that illness in there, and the medicine is entered into this little Petri dish, and you could watch that medicine just encircle that and attack it. And sometimes it, it feels like the sin is overtaking us, it feels like the sin is destroying us on our race. It feels like the sin has crept in. And, and even though we're, we are human beings, but we're saved Christians, justified in Christ, that sin still dwells within us. That flesh is still hanging on to us. And so the battle between the good and the bad, the battle between the sickness and the medicine, the battle between the, the, the light and the darkness, if you were to, to go down to that scale under a microscope, you could watch those things battle one another constantly. Your flesh, who wants and desires and, and looks for evil and wicked things naturally, and if you, you say, well, I don't do that, well, you, your sin is you think too much of yourself. If you say, well, I don't, I've never had a bad thought, your sin is pride. Or you say, well, well I've never done this. Yeah, but you got a, a whole helping of this other thing over here. Hey, you got to be careful because that sin of pride and that sin of arrogance or that sin of self-righteousness, it's, it's a big deal. We must look at ourselves on that molecular level. And realize on the inside, it's our flesh that desires and wants sin constantly. I mean, it's constant. But the soul, the redeemed soul that dwells within us, the one that has accepted Christ and trusted Christ, that soul that the blood has been applied to, the blood's been uh, uh, marked above the, your door spiritually. There's a battle going on inside. And as we run our race that's set before us, as we run that race, as we walk through this life, as you run through this life, as you climb through this life, as you endeavor in this life, it's important to remember and realize, what does he say? Before he says run the, run the race, he says, let us lay aside every weight 
and the sin which doth so easily beset us. It was pointed out to me about weight and sin. What does it say there? It easily besets us. Easily. It's natural. Weight, the weight of worry, the weight of doubt, the weight of fear, the weight of stress, the, the weight of anxiety. Hey, I felt all those things today. That weight, it easily besets us. Why? Because of the flesh. I'm not a completely spiritual creature. I am a fleshly creature with a spirit redeemed by Christ dwelling within. And so it's easy to beset someone like me because my brain sometimes overrides what my spirit is trying to tell me. And so it easily besets me, my stress, my worry, my anxiety, my distrust, my doubt, my frustration, but also my sin. You know, I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about how, you remember as a new Christian, when you were just kind of on cloud nine, so to speak, lack of better terms, anybody remember being that cloud nine? I just got saved. There ain't nobody can say nothing that can bring me down. There ain't nobody going to hurt me. There ain't nobody going to say nothing to me. There ain't, ain't nobody going to rain on my parade. I'm going to tell everybody I just got saved. I'm proud. I'm going to go to school. I'm going to go to work. I'm going to go here. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to tell everybody I just got saved. And I don't remember it, but I remember the, the first sin that I committed after I had been saved and I felt like this tall because I'm like, well, I was just on top of the mountain. And here I am. I just messed up. And if you're not careful, and so it happens to some people without biblical discipleship, without mentors that are biblically teaching and training people to grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ, that one sin will define somebody's entire life. Well, well I got it, but I messed up. I'm never going to be good enough. Hey, this sin, it easily besets us. It constantly attacks us. It's consistently uh, conceived in our hearts. It's consistently holding on to our flesh. It's constant. It's consistent. It's carefree. It doesn't care how well you were feeling yesterday. I was on the mountaintop. We feel safety on the mountaintop. That's something that I like about the mountains is their safety. Anybody been to Myrtle Beach recently? It's been like 10 years since I've been to Myrtle Beach, but somebody got shot right down the road from us, and my daddy's like, get me back to the mountains. There's something safe about being in the mountains. I don't know what it is. There's people killing each other in the mountains just like they are anywhere else. So that's all the people that moved in. No, let me tell you my family tree. There's people killing all, all over the place up, and I mean, it just, there's craziness. Hey, we just feel a certain sense of safety doesn't mean the enemy's not there, but we feel, feel a sense of safety, and we do that spiritually on the mountain. I'm on top of the world. I can, can see out everything. I can see where I've just been. I can see where I'm going. I can see that next mountain out there. But when we get back down in the valley, what happens? It's the sin that so easily beset, besets us. It's the way that so easily besets us that comes right back in. And the lower and the lower back into the valley we get, the harder and harder it gets. The more the fog comes over, the more the rain and the storms come over, uh, that sin and that weight, it begins to beset us again. And we look back at that path that slowly creeps back up the mountain and we think, man, I was doing so much better there. What does he tell us? Three things I'll give you tonight about laying aside our weights and our sins. Maybe you're in the valley. You've come off the mountain and you're in the valley. And you don't feel adequate to come and serve God. You don't feel adequate to dwell in this house. You don't feel adequate to pray to him because this sin and this weight is taking control of you in your life. 
and you're trying to run your race with the weight and the sin, you can't do it. Not effectively. He says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. First thing, focus. Focus. What do we focus on? We focus on our faith and we focus on furtherance. If you're going to lay aside weight and you're going to lay aside sin, it's going to take focus on your part in order to ensure that you can set those things aside in order to run your race with patience. Focus. What? What are we going to focus on? Focus on first our faith. Our faith. Why are we doing this? Are we religious? Because if you intend to try to consistently and effectively remove weight and sin with religion, you will not. That's the whole reason that Christ came to fulfill the law. It's because under a religious system that gives us this and gives us that and requires this and requires that, we're never, in, we're never adequate enough. And there's no sacrifice that co constitutes constant and consistent righteousness with God. But when Jesus Christ came and Jesus Christ died and he laid down his life for you, what that means is that we have the ability to have faith in something that is once and for all. Today, tomorrow, and forever. And since he died, and we know that he resurrected, that he got up and he walked out of the grave, I have the faith to know that the one that I serve, there's something to it. It's not just something I've made up. It's not just something I've decided was true. It would be true whether I've decided it or not. There's been many that have went to hell that are just religious. I want to set aside this weight of religion. The way, now, now, there's true religion. There's pure religion. But what I'm talking about is just, well, I do things this way. I do certain things here. I do certain things there. I'm a robot. I'm a religious robot. Doing the same thing, doing the same thing. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. To come to church and out of religion, just I got to go do this and I got to do that, and you think that this race is going to be, you're going to be ever, any more effective in your race, that's insanity. But when you grasp hold of faith, that, that God, I know that my relationship with you is secured and, and bridged and opened up through Jesus Christ, that's when things change. That's when you can lay aside that weight. That's when you can lay aside that sin that so easily besets you. So if you can't get focus on things and you can't seem to ever truly move forward, you can't seem to ever grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ, it may be because you haven't focused on the faith. He is real. His word is true. It's been revealed and, and it's real to me. And it carries me through each and every day, your faith. Not only faith, but furtherance. What furtherance of what? Furtherance of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We should run this race with a great commission in our mind to go and reach and to preach and to teach people and nations about Jesus Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the truth that he literally was born, the truth that he literally lived, the truth that he rejected temptation and he was tempted in each and every way just like you and I, the truth that he truly carried his cross up Golgotha's hill. The truth that he was nailed to a cross. The truth that he died. The truth that he was buried in a borrowed grave because he didn't need one for long. And he got up out of there and he walked out. And for the furtherance of the gospel, that is real to me. My faith is revealed in me and also it can be revealed to others. And if my focus can be on my faith and my focus is on furtherance, that I can reach someone that doesn't know Jesus, 
it makes it a little bit easier to take the weight, the stress, the anxiety. I'm preaching to myself tonight, folks. The stress, the anxiety, the frustration, the misunderstanding, the feelings of inadequacy. You can lay those things aside if you can focus on faith and focus on the furtherance. But it takes the focus. Focus on those things. I was thinking about that. Focus. And I remember when I was just beginning to drive. And when you're from Leicester, when you first start to drive, you've been driving for 10 years. That's just how it is. I could run a hay baler like nobody's business. When I was 16, I've been doing this since I was five years old, and they're going to make me take a test to drive. What are you talking about? From Leicester, folks. I remember driving, and my daddy was a truck driver for many years, and my dad was a truck driving instructor. And my mom, who I'm a lot alike, we're a lot alike, we'd get in the car and we'd bicker the whole time. I'd get in the car with Dad, and I'd get some real pointers about driving. We'd be parallel parking. We'd be taking the, the truck route, drive 9, 10, 15 extra miles, just because this is the way, if you're hauling a 53-foot trailer, son, behind your Chevy 1500, go this way. This is how it was. When I was learning to drive, my mama had a Lincoln Town car. Can I get a witness on a Lincoln Town car? I wish we still had that. That's a preacher's car right there now. That's a concrete pontoon is what that is. And that Lincoln Town car had a hood as long as a Peterbilt. And what did it have on it? We don't see it anymore. Anybody remember hood ornaments? Amen. We'd get in that boat and we'd go down the road and my dad would say, if you're driving down the road, and you take your hood ornament, and you take that hood ornament, and you align it with that white line, you will stay in your lane. These, the, well, we don't have any of the, the young people learning to drive in here. But what is a hood ornament? You got a casket laying in front of me with a hood ornament on it. And you know what the ornament of a Lincoln Town Car was? It's a cross. If you will focus on the cross, you will stay in your lane. And if you're trying to run your race, and if you want to be successful, and if you want to lay the weight of, the, of sin, and the weight of stress, and the weight of anxiety, and the sin in your heart, and the things that your own mind and your own heart conceives that are so evil and so deceptive, if you want to lay those side, things to the side, and you truly want to run your race with patience that's set before you, you must focus on the cross. If you get to focusing on the mountains, they're a beautiful view. But if you get to focusing on the mountains, long, you wait long enough, you'll begin to veer towards that mountain. Happened to me today. I was going to come in here and preach to you about this. Now I need it. But happened to me today. I started out with a coat on because it was negative 15 degrees at my house. By the time we get on the road, it, that heat is not doing it. I'm a big guy and I'm burning up. I'm trying to fix the AC and before I know it, I'm about to go into the median. Focus and the cross before you, if you will focus on the cross, you will stay in your lane. You will be able to lay aside the weight. You will be able to lay aside the sin. And you won't do it every day. There's some days I'm just over, I, I just have to lay it down. Just walk, go on a walk, get in the car, find something else to do. Because I cannot lay aside those things. I just have to lean on the Lord and say, God, I'm consumed with stress and anxiety. You're going to have to take it. But there are some days, 
And what you'll find is it gets more consistent. It gets more doable. It gets, gets easier because when you start doing that and you're walking closer to the Lord, you begin to desire that relationship with Him and your faith is grown. And when your faith in Him has grown, your excitement about the Word grows, and so your mindset and your focus on the furtherance of the gospel begins to grow. And before you know it, we're moving along. But we're also staying in our lane. And that's what is often missed. There's a lot of times my Christian life is like a drunk driver. I mean, just being honest with you. We're intoxicated by things in the world. And then we try to get behind the wheel and go through this spiritual life. That does not work. It doesn't work on 26, and it certainly doesn't work in our spiritual lives. And you know the thing about drunk drivers is they think they can drive. And if you think you can drive without focusing on the cross of Christ, focusing upon the faith, and focusing, focusing upon furtherance of the gospel, you are sorely mistaken. You've convinced yourself. And what ends up happening when people drive drunk? They hurt other people. They hurt themselves. You've got to be careful. Swerving. Back and forth, and you're convinced, I'm running this race with patience. The devil's tricked you. Well, how do I know? Hey, if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, you, it's gonna, I can't tell you what it is. It's going to require you to say, God, I need you to show me in my life what is intoxicating me. Am I intoxicated by my sin or my lust or my flesh? Am I intoxicated? intoxicated by my weakness of this temptation am i intoxicated by my my anxiety am i intoxicated by my success because god i don't want to get behind the wheel drunk thinking i'm just going to ease through this life but god i want to look back at the cross you see people intoxicated on the things of the world they see double they see more than one cross they see more than one way if I'm just a good person, I'll be okay. They look across that 10-foot-long hood, and they see the cross down there, and they see more than one. Hey, when you're on his way and his path, you will see one cross. That's the cross of Christ. You won't see your good works. You won't see your religion. You won't see your success or your tithes or your capabilities or how good you are at anything. You will see one cross, the cross of Christ. Focus upon his cross, focus upon your faith, and focus upon the furtherance of the gospel. That we can truly lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus. Looking at him, focus upon him. You can never go wrong. When your eyes are fixed upon the cross. Never. Well, I've made mistakes. I've done, hey, I have too. I've, but my eyes, the world's offended by me. But my eyes were set upon the cross and I've walked over them. I've stepped on their toes. That's a common thing when you're a preacher. Hey, when you're living the Christian life and you're living by God's word, you're preaching God's word, you're teaching God's word, you're living out God's word, you're proclaiming the gospel, you're going to step on toes. 
but you're going to step on toes that were fixed on something else. If they were fixed on Christ, you wouldn't be stepping on them. And if you do step on them, all you're doing is pointing them back to the cross. But you get wayward, you're going to step all over people because you yourself are stumbling around the road. Does that make sense? We have to be focused upon the cross, faith, and furtherance of the gospel, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. It was joy to Jesus Christ. Now, his, in his flesh, he, he had moments of, of pain and anguish. He faced everything that you or I could ever face and beyond what any man has ever seen or considered. Yet he endured it with joy. Why? Because of love. Why would we not look to the cross that loves us so greatly? Despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. When you're focused upon the cross of Christ, your eyes, your mouth, and your ears are dwelling in the presence of God. Because the man that hung upon the cross, that man that died, was resurrected. He ascended to be with his father. Why? That he might make intercession for you and for me. And when I'm focused upon him, when I'm praying to him, do you, do you, think, do you think often about how much of a blessing our prayer to God is? And we say to our prayer to God, without Christ, we would have no connection with God. He was the propitiation for our sins that we might have an audience with God. And he endured it with joy. 